Welcome to The Vital Point. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. If you're interested in different methods and ways to transform your life, like plant medicines and psychedelics, breathwork, meditation, somatic practices, cold exposure, and so many more that we've talked about on this show, then my friends, you are in the right place. This podcast is not just for practitioners. It's also for you if you're new to transformational work and you're looking for more information and direction. The reason I chose the name The Vital Point is to highlight the most important secret to actually changing your life, regardless of the method or modality that interests you. Are you ready to hear it? The vital point is that you have to practice. You can't just listen or read about transformation. And most of the time, you're not going to have some sort of one-time life-changing event. Real transformation is a process. I started this podcast to spotlight incredible leaders and practitioners who have experienced their own transformation and have been called to share their passion and mission with others so that you can benefit as well. If you're new to this type of work, welcome. I'm your host, Jonathan Schechter. I'm an integration and transformation coach, breathwork facilitator, been meditating for 19 years, and recently began teaching mindfulness. Breathwork and a lot of the other modalities and resources I talk about on this show are tools that I discovered when I was at my lowest, going through my own transformational journey. I know how much change they can actually bring because I've experienced it myself. I've experienced the transformation that comes from working, practicing, and integrating these experiences, these practices. My intention is not only to entertain, but that something that you hear on this podcast sparks the fire of your own change. When you do feel called to learn more, please send me or the guests a message. We are all here to grow together and support each other. And I hope you enjoy today's episode of the show. What is spiritual emergence? Maybe you're hearing this term for the first time, but if you are listening to this podcast, if you're a fan of this podcast and you are interested in transformation and personal development, the way that the spiritual element of our life integrates with the human and how we access that spiritual aspect, then spiritual emergence is something that I would invite you to get curious about. And spiritual emergence is really the topic of this episode of the podcast. What is it? How do we keep it from becoming a spiritual emergency? And my guest on this episode of the podcast is very qualified to discuss this at length. I learned a lot from listening to her and got to explore something that I'm very passionate about with somebody that is also passionate about it and knows a heck of a lot about it. So my guest on this episode of the podcast is Katrina Michelle, PhD. 
She is a holistic psychotherapist and integration coach who practices from a transpersonal and humanistic framework that centers around cultivating psycho-spiritual growth in both the individual and cultural level. She's the founder of The Curious Spirit, a collective of therapists in New York who also operate from this frame of transpersonal and transcendental support for their clients. She's the former director of harm reduction for MAPS at the Zendo Project, holds a PhD in psychology, and did her doctoral research on exploring resistance to spiritual emergence, which is why I was so thrilled to sit down and get deeper into the subject. So some of the things that we talked about in this episode are what are spiritual experiences and where do they come from? How do we interpret and integrate spiritual experiences into our daily life? What these experiences do to our identities and how they change us? And so much more. We got into some harm reduction, some integration, and really just a fascinating conversation. So really hope that you enjoy this one as much as I did having the conversation. Cheers. Here we are. Welcome to another episode of the Vital Point Podcast, podcast all about transforming your life through different practices like meditation, breath work, psychedelics and plant medicine, mindset, and more. And my guest today, I'm very pleased to welcome Katrina Michelle to the podcast. Katrina is a holistic psychotherapist and um, integration coach as well, right? Yes. And we met, uh, we're both um, currently going through Beth Weinstein's Mastermind uh, business coaching program. And um, Katrina really has an interesting background, um, something that as I started to kind of check out her page and her content, I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool stuff. Um, because when I was going through my breathwork facilitator training program, that um, it, it's for neurodynamic breathwork and was created by, um, you know, holotropic breathwork facilitator of about 10 years. So a lot of the principles, a lot of the background and the information that we were given was kind of pulled from and leaned heavily on the principles of holotropic breathwork. And one of my favorite parts of the whole program was this one session where we got to talk about this concept called spiritual emergency. And it was so fascinating because I, like, I was like, this is what I am really interested in. Like, this is, this is why I'm interested in psychedelics. And this is why I'm interested in breathwork is getting into the transpersonal, into the mystical, into what the heck is actually happening when we are, you know, having these visionary um, experiences that we can't really explain. And even though they did a really great job during this one session of, you know, talking about like, hey, this is what this is. And here's some of the reasons that, you know, Dr. Stan Groff and other, um, you know, researchers think that it's happening. Like I was basically left hungry for more information. And so 
um, Katrina's, one of Katrina's specialties, one of her areas of study is in spiritual emergency. And so I was like, okay, I got to have you on the podcast to, to talk about this because it's just a, a subject that I find really, really fascinating. So thank you so much for being yeah. here. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. And I'm happy to get to know more about you and your experience. And uh, yeah, it's exciting to share that common interest. It's certainly a topic not everybody has an idea of what I'm talking about, even though we all have these potentials, which is part of why I'm so excited about sharing it with more people. Yeah, okay. So I think that's a good place to start. So like for somebody that maybe is hearing this term for the first time, what is spiritual emergency? Oh, I, I don't do so great with these black and white definitions, but I'll try my best. <laughs> so um, I will say, so Dr. Sandroff talked about spiritual emergence as a part of the natural human experience, which I see as part of our evolutionary potential. And our culture kind of has a set of expectations that raises us into adulthood, that brings us into the material world in a way that makes sense to those around us. Spiritual emergence is the next level. That's when we start to enter those transcendent states of being, where we start to feel a little bit of the magic coming into our lives, where we might begin to develop our psychic gifts, or we might have a brush with, you know, what some might call an angelic encounter, extraterrestrial encounter, near-death experience, an energetic opening in the in the body um, that is called a Kundalini awakening. And there are all different ways that these can occur. Some occur spontaneously. Like for example, um, I had what Dr. Roth called a unitive experience when I was like 20 and I was just walking down the street in New York City of all places. And I had this sudden merging of consciousness that just came from nowhere. I wasn't doing any practices spiritually. I wasn't doing any drugs. I was just a 20 something year old undergrad psych student. And I was suddenly smacked with this transcendent state of being that left me with this huge capacity for love in my heart and awe and just empathy for all of these strangers around me. I assure you, born and raised in Queens, New York, it was not a normal state of being for me, um, but I didn't know what to do with it. So that's just an example of spiritual emergence. And spiritual emergency as coined by, um, Stan Groff and his late wife, Christina Groff, is essentially when spiritual emergence is gone awry. So there's this opening and there's this potentiality that's coming to the surface and something goes wrong where it's not handled appropriately and there's now an emergency. So it's the state of being where the spiritual emergence becomes a crisis. Right. So like basically too much, too fast or not knowing sort of how to deal with that experience, how to process it, how to sort of what frame to put it in and what to do with it. And then it sort of leads to a crisis or an overload. Exactly, right, exactly. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I found the most fascinating, you know, during my brief study about it was um, the, there was a, you know, uh, a guest that was talking about it. And he said, you know, in my work, I found that, almost everybody that goes and seeks like Western medical care or attention or, you know, goes and talks to somebody um, with spiritual emergence suffers some sort of trauma um, or they have a, a, a negative experience, you know, because our Western medical model or psych psychiatry and, you know, the way that we 
sort of view these types of experiences, there's no, there's no real f- reference. People don't really know yeah. what to do with it. And so that ends up traumatizing people because they don't feel um, heard and connected or understood, or maybe they feel like, well, gee, I, I must be crazy, or there must be something wrong with me, or I need to go on some sort of psych- psychiatric drug to, to learn how to process and sort of fit back into the world in which yeah. I was once a part of, and now I'm sort of feeling alienated from. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, that is one of the most common things we hear about is people who disclose these events, and the only people they know to go to are often professionals who go to psychiatric professionals or they will go to their ministers or their, you know, their counseling professionals. And because we are stuck in this paradigm of this materialistic Western worldview, that is the medical model. We don't have a box outside of that, that people can reference. There becomes this pathology that gets associated with these states of being. And instead of people being held and supported and guided in their process of opening and expansion to new ways of being more fuller versions of themselves experiencing more potentials within their capacity, they are ostracized, they are traumatized, they, they have all kinds of problems that come from not being properly held and received. And one of the things that makes me the craziest is, you know, spirituality, maybe we'll call it like pop spirituality, right? It's really become a part of the culture. Like everyone knows where the yoga class is, people throw around the term spiritual awakening, People are out and they're doing chanting and they're doing breath work and meditation. And often it's just uh, termed as something that we do for stress management, stress reduction, or Mm -hmm. maybe just so we, you know, are understanding what the rest of the world is doing. And the problem with all these practices is that we don't really understand the states that we can be bringing ourselves or other people into. And I think this is a real liability And this is where we start talking about harm reduction with these practices is recognizing, you know, a a teacher that goes to a 200 hour yoga training is unlikely to understand the capacities that they're awakening in a person. And Mm -hmm. when those capacities get awakened and that person is suddenly having an energetic opening, which could look something like having orgasms in the middle of a yoga studio, that person really needs to be supported and held in their process. And when they're not, I mean, you can just imagine how traumatic that is to not have a frame. Um, yeah. So that's one example. Yeah. It was interesting that you, you know, what you just brought up, like I was just leading this last weekend, I was leading an integration circle and I opened it with breath work. That was sort of the, 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 the way that they marketed it. Instead of just straight integration, we're gonna sort of prime you with breath work. And I was like, okay, cool, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely up for that. One of the people that joined, they shared that the most intense, you know, psychedelic experience that they had had, and this is like in a span of 25 years, was this holotropic breath work um, session that they went through and everything that they were saying, like there was a part of me that was like, Oh, geez, like this, I don't, I don't like this because it was not like the retreat they had went to was not specifically for holotropic breath work. It was sort of like, Oh, here's an activity that we're offering as part of the bigger retreat. And then they said, well, there was no, there was no support when I was having this, you know, experience of being blasted into the cosmos and like merging into you know the 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 cosmic oneness and when I came out of it I felt like everybody was staring at me and there was no support or no integration after that and I just left feeling alienated and 
25 years later, I'm still trying to figure out what the heck does that experience mean? And I, I honestly, I said, look, I'm not trying to say like that this is my fault, but I said, I am so sorry that the person that was facilitating for you didn't help to prepare the container because Mm -hmm. I spent six months almost being scared straight in my breathwork facilitator program of like, this is the kind of stuff that can happen. And like, you need to be ready for this and don't go into this lightly and don't, you know, don't, don't be careless. And really, you really have to be ready to hold some serious space for people because some really intense stuff can happen. You know, you're, you're messing with energy and you're messing with, you know, people's subconscious and, you know, like you just have to be prepared for that. And like, so I was like, I just, I felt so bad because that was at least the, the framework that I was given was like so much of how people experience these types of um, these things come down to having a good frame, having mm-hmm. like feeling like they're supported, even if you're yeah. just there and, and listening and seeing them and witnessing them. You know, you're not just going like, whoa, what the heck is happening? You know, Um, there's, there's so much to that frame of like, you know, and I, I say it in every breathwork session that I, that I facilitate. It's like, there's a possibility that something challenging might come up for you. Mm -hmm. I view that as an opportunity to, that your body feels safe enough. Your internal wisdom feels safe enough that it's going to open and process this thing that's stored inside of you, you know, that's been laying there dormant. So, you know, without, without that setting that frame, it's very easy. I think for people when they start to have something difficult come up to be like, Oh shit, I know this is not cool. I don't know what's happening. I'm going to get scared. I'm going to shut down. I'm going to, you know, and then that, that only compounds it. That only makes it like worse, you know, like that's, um, so yeah, I, I really, I really appreciate that you, that you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm happy to hear how responsibly you're framing it and teaching others to frame it because it offers also offers such a beautiful opportunity for people. You know, we, we can't often access these states independently without a practice or without a psychedelic or something of the sort. So when these states mm-hmm. come, they really are a gift. They're a gift to dig into what's arising whether it's blissful or traumatic or somewhere in between, they can and do run the full spectrum. And we really need to know what we're dealing with. And and like you said, the best thing you can do for someone is just be there, be open, receptive, and supportive uh, without putting the labels, without instilling the fear, just giving that process a chance to uh, take place and hold them and help them feel safe and help keep them physically safe as well while they're going through this. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, as I, as I'm transitioning, you know, into more integration coaching, it's really interesting, like listening to some of the experiences of people. And I'm sure that you have this experience all the time in your practice where people are coming to me with these like really big, deep mystical experiences and they're confused and they're like, what does this mean? I want answers. I want to know. And, and I can totally relate to that because like, I've been in that place as well, Mm -hmm. but I have to like take a pause and say, look, like it's not my job. And I would be really hesitant for anybody that you're going to, to interpret your experience. Mm 
Yes. Like that's, that's for you. What exactly. I can do is I can listen, I can hold space and I can, you know, ask you some questions that maybe will spark your curiosity or like make you, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully think about this in a different way. But yeah. like, it's not my place to say like, oh, this is what this means, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's normal for us to question and want answers. And it's also normal. What, we're, what we've learned in our culture is to look for authority outside of ourselves. Right. So to give someone the opportunity to recognize that authority is within them to make those interpretations, to look within their frame of reference and explore what's coming up in their own psyche. And then to be there as a support to hold it for them and help process with them, you know, process it with them. Yeah. That's yeah. a gift. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Like, do you think that there's something about like our culture that we're living in right now where there's a lack of sort of framework around that versus like maybe older or indigenous cultures where there's mm. there's there's an expectation of like a rite of passage or um, you know, a rite of 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 adult of becoming an adult, uh, where there's sort of an expectation of like, hey, this is this is part of our culture or this is part of our our human experience yeah that's a great question because we don't have that right like i said right. even this idea of spiritual emergence or having an experience of transcendence which can look like you know everything depending on the person we don't have a reference for that so absolutely we don't uh we don't have guides we don't have trusted guides to go to to support the transformation that can come with these experiences And I think a big challenge with the movements of psychedelics becoming um, more recreational and ceremonial uh, is that people take themselves to be the experts for other people. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where things really get hairy. And, you know, there can be consequences that are really damaging on a lot of levels. Yeah, I, I, I just made a reel about that the other day where it's like, you know, like the this sort of pitfall that I see of like people having like going to a weekend retreat or like going to Burning Man and having some sort of transcendental experience. And then this very, I I feel very natural reaction, but also kind of dangerous reaction of like, Oh, now, now I'm ready to hold space for somebody else. Now I'm ready to take somebody else through these types of initiations. And that it's just so necessary. Like if, if that's something that you're called to not to rush after it to like Mm -hmm. do your own work first and foremost and let let that process evolve in a more organic way you know rather than like forcing it um you know there's so many people that i know that are you know holding space and facilitating and the ones that I really like pay attention to the ones that I really respect and I want to listen to their experience that that's exactly what happened to them. They like, it's part of their, the process. It wasn't something that they had to chase after it -hmm. came to them, whether they wanted it to or not, just as a, you know, just as a part of the unfolding. And like, I think that for me, like that's an interesting part of this whole topic is like, as we go through spiritual emergence, there are there are changes to us like on an energetic level on sometimes on a physical level that you're just along for the ride you know like um one like for instance i was talking to my stepmom a couple months ago because i started having all these like um sort of heart and nervous system 
sort of issues that I, you know, we haven't, we, we weren't able to like figure out like, oh, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and she, and I said, you know, I was talking to her about like, I can't really eat sugar anymore. And I can't eat all these things that like I used to, like I used to really enjoy. And I used to use to like, sort of self-regulate my nervous system. Mm -hmm. And she just looked at me and she said, yeah, you know, she's a, she's a homeopathic doctor and she's been practicing homeopathy for like 25 years. And she just looked at me and she said, yeah, you know, it happens. Like you get to a point, if you're doing this type of work where you're, you're just too sensitive and you just have to say like, this is where I'm at now. It's, it's the price that we pay for like doing this work and like being in this, this open space. And I'm like, yeah, there's a part of me that really is resistant to that. And at the same time, it's like, it's so much easier to just go with the flow and accept what's happening. Like it's, my life is a lot easier. You know, I feel healthier and I don't kind of, I'm not getting pulled back in sort of a a different direction, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this is actually what I did my PhD dissertation on was the resistance to this process. And that's certainly one way is we don't want to change our habits our habits tie us into our culture. They, tur- they tune mm-hmm. us into what's familiar. So we are so deeply rooted in our habits, whether it's our diet, whether it's our, our patterns around whether or not we get up and meditate or turn around and look at our phone in the morning. You know, right. they're so ingrained in who we are and how we're accepted in the culture that that can really be a challenge for people is coming into a new way of being and feeling accepted. This is part of like the call to action through conversations like these is that we're not just doing it for ourselves. The more we share these experiences, we start to create that culture that makes it easier for other people to follow suit. I know that Jonathan gave up sugar. I'm a little bit more inspired to give up sugar. (laughs) You know, I gave up coffee. Wow, that's major. Like, and this actually happened. Like my best friends are like, you gave up coffee? I'm like, I know, I can't. Can't quite believe it myself. Like you told me that a year ago. This is relatively new. Like, you're absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, so we have to create the culture that we want to live in, and it's really. It, I think it's a wonderful opportunity. And on another level, it feels like it's a spiritual obligation. You know, if we have this opportunity to go through this and make it easier for those that come after us, we normalize this process. And once we normalize this process, a lot less people get pathologized start thinking they're crazy, start taking, um, you know, psychiatric medications they don't need. And then the whole culture can change. We stop working jobs we don't like just to pay the bills. We have a new way of being that comes from these small changes that we begin to hold each other in. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I love that you mentioned the small changes because sort of flip side to like, oh, I have to run after um, this desire to facilitate or share the magic of plant medicines with everybody i've also like i feel like i've also experienced sort of the opposite of that which is like oh my god i have to clean up every part of my life right now and like do all these changes and you really don't it's just when the when the change is right for you it won't even be like a big thing even with something like coffee you know or sugar like (laughs) the two the two of the biggest like drugs that are prevalent yeah. in our society you know for sure um yeah a couple of years ago i would never have thought that i could give up coffee you right. know and yeah. and then when it when the moment happened it was like oh cool yeah no problem and i talk about this with my partner a lot because you know she went to peru last year for an ayahuasca initiation and spent two months in the ju- jungle like learning from shipibos and and drinking medicine 
And one of the things that, that was part of her initiation was she had to give up pork forever. Mm -hmm. Like it was, you know, she, she talks about like them telling these horror stories of like people who broke their diet and like went back to pork and like really bad things happen. And every once in a, every once in a while I'll look at her and I'll say like, do you ever, do you ever miss bacon? Like how, how do you, how do you live your life without bacon? Like that just, that seems really, (laughs) that seems really challenging. And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the whole thing. And then, then she kind of laughs at me because I've been talking about going and doing a diet and she's like, and it's going to be you soon. Too. Yes, <laughs> like, how, are, how are you yes. going to deal with that? There's <laughs> a lot of good veggie bacon out there. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what are some ways that people can work with that resistance or maybe like lessen that resistance that you, that you mentioned? Well, I think this is where it's the integration comes into, right? So there's resistance to the process and the process is not always like one big experience. Like it might be in a psychedelic journey where you have this peak experience during your actual journey, but spiritual emergence can be anything. It can be a a shifting of consciousness where things just start to look a little bit different, to feel a little bit different. And you have to gradually integrate and get used to that. And, and like you said, that doesn't mean changing everything in a heartbeat because that in itself can be a trauma, but right. it often can invite you to pretty significant changes, pork being one of them, but it also could be like significant lifestyle changes, like leaving your relationship, leaving your job, recognizing you're supposed to live in a different place in the world. And if people just get up and do these things, which I know we've, we've interviewed some people for this film we're working on, um, When Lightning Strikes film, which is where, you know, people have gone off in the middle of their spiritual emergence and recognize that money is not something they need to hoard. And they go and they give away all of their money. And that's beautiful in one way, but mm-hmm. Also, they have four kids and they have debt and they have a family to take care of. So this is something that can benefit from the process of integration and that integration process being partially about grounding, partially getting it outside of yourself and giving it time. You know, I think of integration like, you know, stitching needle and thread, like gradually coming in and going out and weaving the two worlds so that there are not these two disparate entities. There's really something that comes together and it can become this beautiful blend. Yeah, it's. It, I think for myself, that that's definitely something that I've questioned and and struggled with at different times. Is like, what what am I supposed to do with these experiences? And like, am I supposed to just drop everything and like go live in an ashram? You know, yeah. like. Um, and there's 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 actually been moments where I feel shame or I feel confusion about it because I feel like I've read stories about people that have had like one, you know, transpersonal, one really strong peak experience. And it, it inspired them to change their whole life. Yeah. Like they, they dropped everything. They became this entirely different person or they, they, they completely like jumped in both feet into their mission. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've had handfuls you know, I've had at least like five experiences that where I'm like, okay, this is like a level 10. This is yeah. not like a halfway thing. And I'm like, but here I am, I'm still, I'm still making my transition. I'm still processing what do those things mean? And what am I supposed to do with them? 
Like, is there something wrong with me? What, why can't I be that person that's like, oh my God, I just, I just, just yeah. go, you know, become like Ram Dass or, you know, I something know. like that, you know? And so it's like, okay. And I've, I've talked to enough people where I'm like, I know that I'm not the only one that has these thoughts or like these yeah. struggles with like how to uh, understand and integrate those experiences are, you know? Yeah, and thanks for naming that, Jonathan. I think it's it's one of those things like the shame around this. That's a reflection of what our culture teaches teaches us mm. that we need to go out there and we need to succeed. We need to be the best we can, and we need to do it a thousand percent, and we need to do it better than those people that came before us. And that's just not fair. That's ridiculous. That is not what this is about. You know, the spiritual world doesn't care about who did it better, who did it first, who did it right. This is unique to you. This is your process. And maybe your process is that you're meant to have these five big peak experiences and never change a thing. <laughs> maybe that's just what you're meant to be doing in this journey at this time, in this karmic path, who knows? So I think we need to take away some of that expectation because really we need to just recognize we are here, we are individuals, we are on these unique journeys. And yes, if it's something we wanna to move toward, let's give each other some ways to do it that are healthy and that are um, kind, because really that's what this is about. Spirituality and this awakening process is about being kind to yourself, being kind to others, opening your heart, dropping into the truth of what's real, what's moving through you. And maybe that doesn't mean you need to go to an ashram. You know, maybe you're meant to be here having a conversation with me about it right now, because there's a million other people out there who are experiencing it who need to know they're not alone. Yeah, thank you for saying that. And um, yeah, just even even talking about it right now, like is is bringing up some stuff for me in terms of like, some some insights about the last time that this, this really happened. And what it comes down to me, for me, is that it's hard for us as human beings to let go and change radically change the identity that we've created for ourselves or that our families or our society, our peer groups have helped us to create for, for ourselves. And that's really what these experiences are doing, right? Is they're like shaking that foundation, you know, in, in big and small ways. It's like, no, this isn't, you, your identity is just a temporary facade. It's a, it's a creation and you have the power and the, the capacity to alter that in so many different ways, like beyond your wildest imagination. Mm, yeah, I love that. Well yeah. So I had another question that I really wanted to pick your brain on because like you as the sort of expert in this field, um, why do you think that people have sort of shared experiences with um, in, in terms of hallucinations or, you know, spiritual experiences? Like, is, is there a reason that you think that people have archetypal experiences, especially when they're not familiar with those archetypes at all. Yeah, like for, and I love for, this question. Like for yeah. me, like, okay, so here's, here's, here's my personal example. Like when, like I've, I've been practicing Buddhism for almost 20 years. So when I started sitting in ayahuasca ceremonies and Buddhist deities started coming up, sure. it, it, it made sense. sense to me. Right. But there were other deities that came in that I didn't know about. I had no frame of reference for, and I didn't yeah. recognize until 
way later when I was having sort of re reawakening type of experiences based on seeing a picture of them and then like doing mm -hmm. research and being like, whoa, what the heck is that? Because I had yeah. no idea what that was before, but obviously something inside of me did, you know? And so like mm -hmm. the fact that people can have those experiences, even when they're not familiar with those deities or those archetypes is something that's really, really fascinating to me. Yeah, I love this question, Robin, because we are so used to identifying with our singular individual consciousness. This person born in this body in this year, you know, living in this culture. And one of the gifts of psychedelics and this spiritual emergence capacity is that it puts us in touch with the truth. And this is where some people kind of like lose understanding, but it puts us in touch with the truth, which is that we are all part of this interconnected being. And that means that we are all accessing memories from all cultures, all times, all frameworks from each other. And that can be really one of the most challenging parts to integrate is to recognize that this is something we have the capacity for, to be able to hold each other while we are understanding a deity that we have no linear recollection of ever having studied, but now yeah. we're, we're communing with it. And I think this is just so fascinating and beautiful. And it really points to the fact that we are not here for ourselves as individuals. We are here for each other. We are all part of each other. And in, in regular consciousness, it's really hard to access that truth. But the gift of these states of consciousness is that we want to look out for each other. We recognize that time is not linear. We recognize that you and me are really one of this bigger, much bigger than our brains could ever wrap, it, wrap around, you know, essence. We are like this divine essence, this living and breathing organism. Yeah, it's, it, was, it was one of the things like during my study, like where I was just like, oh, this is so incredible because yeah. not only is there somebody else that's asking these questions, you know, like I was just so blown away by Dr. Stan Groff of like, okay, not only is somebody else asking these questions, they've done books worth of research on it and they've codified all these things and put up matrices and systems. And like, my mind was just being blown, you know, it's like, oh yeah. my God, this is such incredible stuff. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> it's wild. And again, it's, it's one of those things that I think if you don't have a reference point for it, it's really hard to understand and see as true. But when you have this direct experience, suddenly we're just like, we're in that understanding, we're in that shared connection. It's an opportunity every day to revisit how do we integrate that into our lives? Because that is challenging. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like, um, I was, my partner and I were talking the other day about, uh, sort of about this, um, you know, she, she went and had this you know, two month initiation experience. And then she came back and started working as an integration coach. And she's working towards being a feeling comfortable sitting um, and, and serving the medicine herself, which is something like that she's felt really strongly about for a long time. And mm -hmm. she was talking about like how necessary it was for her to come back and sort of do this grounded thing and this really like human thing of like, I'm going to set up a business for myself and I'm going to be able to help people with the human parts because part of like being connected to the medicine and, and serving it is that you have to live in that mystical kind of meta space 
you're, you're sort of forced to, right? Because that's, that's the energy that you're surrounded with and you're bringing in and you're supporting uh, people with all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were just talking about like how easy it is to sort of lose that human grounding when you're in that space and just kind of all the way go to the meta, yeah. all the way go into the mystical. And that how beautiful it is that like, that's some people's paths. Like some people mm-hmm. are really, really, they do really, really well with that. And yeah. some people are really, really great with the human part. And some people can, you know, kind of dance between the two. And it's just, it's such a beautiful process to to observe and to to share with people. Yeah, and that's such a great way of putting it. And it is about dancing with the process and recognizing we we are not just human and we are not just divine, you know, and being integrated means being able to hold both and walk between the worlds when necessary and incorporating the, the human lessons into our mystical realms and the mystical realms into our humanity and yeah, dancing with it and, and learning to thrive in that space. So yeah, what a, what a gift. That's, that's quite a process. Yeah. And I also, I also love how so many people are drawn to mystical and plant medicine type experiences and then sort of the end result is them sort of learning like oh the things I was looking for were inside of me all along and I don't I don't need to continue to seek that experience outside of myself like that's just magic to me you know yeah yeah Yeah, because I think that's again, the, the culture teaches us that we need to look outside of ourselves that we, you know, it, unfortunately, it doesn't empower us to look within all the time, even if we have the best upbringing possible. I think the message of the broader culture is one of scarcity. And we can get mm. into a whole other conversation about the reasons in place for that and what keeps this world upright the way it is, at least for the moment, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think just recognizing that there is a more holistic approach, a new way of looking at this that says, okay, I have this capacity and this is something within me. Now, how do I get the support I need so that I can enact it and remember it? Because we forget, we might recognize it and have that message in the ceremony, but it's so easy to forget once you come back to the old patterns and the old culture. Yes. Yes, definitely. And yeah, it's, it's, it's something I talk about a lot. I'm so glad that you brought it up. And, um, you know, Moon Angel 888 had mentioned it earlier. She had asked the question, I'm guessing it's a she, I'm sorry, um, that they had brought it up earlier about like, when we have these experiences, um, is it necessary to unpack them and to explore them? Um, so, yeah, like, I think this is sort of a good place to transition into is like, how, how do we integrate those uh, experiences and like, how do we act intentionally so that we can continue to unpack them and not forget? Cause like you said, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so easy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's first of all about, it depends sort of what your journey brings up for you. If your journey brings up for you a spiritual emergency where it's so big and so grand, you might need a little bit more support coming down and grounding and and being in this human realm and then coming back to those lessons once you've really landed back in your body and in this human physical realm. And if you've had an experience where you go, you have the peak experience, some learning comes through and then boom, you're back to work Monday morning 
then I think your support is going to be more about remembering those states of consciousness, you know, recalling, you know, listening to the soundtrack that you heard on your journey or offering yourself opportunities to drop into trance states, whether that's through yoga, meditation, breath work, ecstatic dance, just finding those ways to reconnect with that energy, taking a walk in nature. I think nature is such a beautiful teacher for this is just to like allow us to be within. We're so often outside of ourselves and immersing ourselves in this material culture but when we drop in we realize who we really are and we're part of this mystical realm and when we remember that when we touch in in a real way that's not just mental when we actually feel it i think that's when we begin to weave it into our lives because now we have a felt reference point and we can begin to bring that mm. into our day-to-day -day. Mm. i love that i love the felt reference um that's something I've been working with it, within somatic practice for, it took me a while. Like I felt like I had to clear a lot of the sort of negative gunk first, mm -hmm. but like, you know, it's something that I'm working with now is like when I have a positive experience, especially when it's in, in an expanded state, but definitely, you know, just in my regular life as well, but like really taking a pause to and breathing and really like, what does this feel like in my body? Really trying to anchor that experience so that I can remember it later. So I can recall it like, oh yeah, this is what gratitude feels like. This is what this joy uh, feels like. This is what this openness feels like. Yeah. And there's something, you know, that to me, that's like the beautiful part of somatic work is the more that you, well, just, just like anything, the more you, practice it the more familiar it becomes the easier it is mm. to recall and the, the richer and deeper the experience gets yeah um so yeah like that's i love that the felt remembrance mm. it's so yeah. so key thank you so much for sharing that yeah of course i mean it's so easy to go into our heads and intellectualize and make sense of it. and sure that can be great to have those memories and those recollections but i think the integration is about the felt sense and the and the yeah. doing and the, you know the the really living from that place hmm. yeah um i feel like i would re be remiss just to t not to touch on this a little bit because mm -hmm. you did work as the former director of harm reduction for maps and the zendo mm -hmm. project so yeah. what what are like some keys you know i'm sure this is a deeper conversation maybe we'll have to save the larger piece of it for part two but mm -hmm. what what are some like really important takeaways for harm reduction in the psychedelic space especially in the mm -hmm. context of what we've been talking about yeah, well, you know, I think the the best tips are the simplest ones. So I think it is know your medicine physically, trust your source, know what you're taking, test it, make sure it's pure, be familiar with the safety guidelines around these medicines, um, potential interactions, be aware of uh, just general safe space that you're going to be in so you don't accidentally you know, injure yourself. I think that's one of the, mm. one of the hazards that people often don't even think about. Um, and if you're going to have a sitter there with you, make sure it's somebody that you trust, be really clear about your intentions and their intentions in the journey make sure that you have an understanding of what your boundaries and limitations are with physical touch and support. Um, and ideally, again, having this be somebody that you know, or trust or have developed some sort of a rapport with. 
Um, I think that would be my starting point. And, you know, one of the other things I think we don't often talk much about in terms of harm reduction is, is the integration process. So the preparation and making sure that while you're in the journey, your environment is suitable, that, you know, you're going in in the right frame of mind, and then you're safe when you're there physically, and that when you're coming out, you're really held and supported. And we don't talk enough about integration as uh, harm reduction. Because mm. I think if you're not held and supported, it can be really dangerous. It can be really traumatic to go back to somebody who doesn't understand the journey that you've just had, who's going to then take and pathologize this or create their own interpretation of it and feed it back to you in a way that could be really damaging when your psyche is open and soft and uh, you're moving from an open-hearted place and they're still locked into a different kind of an old construct. So I think that can be really jarring and cause a lot of challenges for people. So those, yeah, I think those are some of the general things I would suggest. I love, I love that last one, you know, and really like if you do feel comfortable sharing your experience with somebody, um, just letting them know like, hey, do you have this, the space to hold this, to listen? And I'm really just looking for somebody to listen. You know, yes. it's okay. It's okay to communicate that. Right. Um, you know, and if you're the one listening, it's okay to, to, to ask a question. It doesn't have to be in this context either. Like, are you looking for somebody to just listen or are you looking for like feedback? Yeah, right. You oh, know? Such good advice because people want to give their input. They think that's, what, <laughs> right. that's why you're sharing with them. But sometimes, I think most times, we really just need to be heard. And there is, a, you know, there's a limit on good listening sometimes. We really need to ask for what we need. And my favorite piece of advice to offer people about the integration process is when you are choosing to share with someone else, make sure that you're choosing to share for you and for your process, not for mm. them. Because if it becomes about you having to defend your experience, that just puts you in a very different energy than one of being received with your experience. Mm -hmm. So know who you're talking to and, and be aware. They might be really curious about your journey and have good intentions, but they can really damage your integration process by not holding and supporting it properly. Yeah, well said, well said. Well, I want to start to kind of bring this to a close, but yeah. uh, I, I, first of all, I just want to say what a pleasure it's been to talk with you. I would love to do a part two at some point and cool. continue yeah. to continue this amazing conversation. And thank you so much for your time and for sharing your wisdom and experience with everyone. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. It's been really good to get to know you a little bit. And yeah, I'd love to continue this conversation. There's so much to talk about in this topic. Yeah, I know. It's like, I, I feel like it's one of those things that I could just talk about all day. And mm -hmm. it just makes me excited. And um, yeah, it's just really, really great to connect with people like you that have so much to offer. Yeah, thank you. So if people are interested in working with you, um, where should they go? Because I know you have a lot of stuff, like just looking, like looking, uh, doing some research <laughs> for like, doing some research for this podcast. I was like, wow. Katrina has some awesome stuff going on. You've got the Curious Spirit, and you have your, uh, some other programs. So just let let yeah. the let the people know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, there is a lot happening, um, which is why I need to take space in those mystical realms. Sometimes there's so much happening <laughs> on the outside. 
but I love it. It's all good. I'm happy to, to merge my world. So yeah, um, I do. I am founder of the Curious Spirit, which is a, a space for people to receive psychotherapy, coaching, and general support and integration. I have a team of therapists and coaches that work with me. We work locally in New York and Long Island and also remotely. Um, and then I do offer personal consultations around psychedelics, one-on-one uh, -on -one personal retreats. Um, and one of the offerings that I'm working right now is creating a space for healers, creating a container, because what I really want to do is empower more healers to be aware of these integration needs and these spiritual emergence needs. But I think so many healers are burnt out right now. Um, we've just been through so much the past couple of years, supporting people from a place of our own challenging, not knowing what's happening in the world. So my goal now is really to create a community of healers and bring them together to support one another. And I'm doing that through a nine month program. I'm calling it the return to self. And it is a nine month um, restorative journey. And that's gonna include um, a series of retreats and in-person workshops, as well as uh, connecting uh, in community over uh, groups like Zoom virtually. And uh, so I'm really excited about that. And we'll bring in a lot of the things that we've spoken about into that space. That sounds really awesome. And it's, it's so true, you know, like the healers are often the folks that need the most help because they're giving so much and they yeah. always are putting themselves first and exactly. you know, it's not good to get burnout. Yeah. And it happens. So I really want to prioritize yeah. um, supporting the healers so they can keep, we can keep doing the work that we're meant to do and serving by making sure that we have the nurturing we need. And I think we can do that best as a community with each other. Yeah. And here on Instagram, you're Katrina, the curious spirit, right? Yes. Katrina underscore the curious spirit. And my website is the curious spirit.org. Thanks for checking out another episode of the podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you feel inspired to go and do some practice of your own. Remember that integration and practice is the vital point. Maybe this episode inspired you to add something new to your daily or regular practice, like meditation or breath work, or you're ready to take that ice bath that you've been dreading, but you know is going to be really good for you. Maybe you're curious to something that you've been called to try, you know, like working with a new teacher or facilitator or working with a psychedelic or plant medicine in whatever way is safe and legal for you where you live. Please reach out to me or to the guest through the links on the show page to learn more about what we talked about on this episode. Subscribe to the podcast and please leave us a review, which really helps the show, makes it visible to more people. And if you're finding the show valuable, please share it with a friend that would also be interested and uh, share it on your social media. Follow me at Blue Magic Alchemy on Instagram. That's all one word. And if you're interested in learning more about breathwork or you'd like support with self-development and transformational practice, reach out to me at bluemagicalchemy at gmail.com or Instagram to set up a discovery call for individual coaching sessions and my six-month transformational coaching container. Until next time, be well, keep practicing, because that's the vital point. Be well, my friends.